0: Honestly, with everything else going on in this country, the last thing we need is to be watching Matt Hancock eat kangaroo testicles on national TV.
1: <laughs> Hello and welcome to this week's edition of Newspeak, the New Culture Forum's weekly current affairs programme. My name is Emma Webb and I'm your host. And this week I'm joined by Samantha Smith, the Conservative commentator and columnist, Stephen Balog, who is an NCF member as well as the editor of our forthcoming publication, Fighting Back. I'm joined this week, as always, by the director of the New Culture Forum, Peter Whittle, and the senior fellow of the New Culture Forum, Philip Kisley. So this week, we're going to be talking about the new census results that have been much anticipated Mm -hmm. by all of us that are finally in. We'll also be talking about the Atlantic's article calling for an amnesty over COVID and lockdown. And we'll be talking about Matt Hancock's decision to go on I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here. But before we dig into all of that, first, I'm going to pass you over to Stephen, who's going to tell, tell everybody a little bit more about this um, forthcoming publication.
2: Yes, this forthcoming publication. So um, those of you who have been NCF members for a little while will know all about The Long March by Mark Sidwell. Brilliant book. If you haven't read it, um, I really recommend it. Um, but in some senses, the next in the series is going to be this publication, Fighting Back. It's not a single author publication, Um, it is a series of essays which have been put together um, springing from the spring conference, springing from the spring conference um, that was on St. George's Day very fittingly um, which had a theme of fighting back and so why not call the book the same. I'm very excited to have been part of the project, I've been the editor of it so therefore pulling together um, everyone's talks, some of them given just off the cuff like David Starkey's others uh, very well uh, formatted and thought about in advance particularly from the academics amongst us. So what do we have? We have a set of essays um, from academics, historians, people in popular culture, uh, from media from, from media, um, and all of them have the subject of how do we start to fight back against woke. There has been an onslaught as we all know for the last number of years now and people feel pushed back into a corner and the conference itself and the book that is resulting from it, I think is a really good aid to people, first of all, to know that they're not alone. So the contributions from various people have helped them to know that uh, there are plenty of people out there who desire to take pride in Western civilization and in British culture, um, and who want to join together and to know how they, t- they in their own everyday lives, mm can start to um, make a difference. Um, so um, I think one of, the, one of the, in fact two of the contributors talked about like Alexander Solzhenitsyn, I know Emma you as one of the contributors um, talked about Alexander um, Solzhenitsyn, not Solzhenitsyn as did um, Konstantin Kissin. As a, as a really um, important individual who said in the very little things however oppressed you are, always keep to the truth, never tell lies and from that small principle, a very important principle, so many other things can come. Mm -hmm. So um, I really think that it will be attractive to anyone who is interested in in, in matters of culture, in the culture wars, Mm -hmm. uh, interested in the benefits to this day of um, Western civilization, uh, despite its denigrators Um, and I think it is a way in which we we at the NCF actually can also start to uh, to build on the long-standing the, long, the long standing various campaigns mm-hmm. um, for the future.
3: Because um, it really, I mean it's, it's interesting because it really does go to the heart of what we are actually, doesn't mm. it? Doesn't it? Mm-hmm. I mean you know all the kind of comments we get to programmes like this, Night After of Day is people saying things like we're with you, we totally understand, yes. but what do we mm-hmm. do then? Mm-hmm. So I think you know as you say there, I mean actually you've written and in fact, you've contributed an essay, yes. to, haven't you, about the academic part of it? Yeah, I, I wrote something on um, education and for me
4: it was it was really empowering to sit down and think okay, we know what's wrong with everything because we talk about that all the time, yes. what can we do about mm-hmm. it? And I suppose more to the point, what's being done already that we can build on mm. And and that for me was, I felt... If I sat down feeling a bit depressed I finished the chapter feeling really bored and I think Mm -hmm. that was the really important thing for Mm. me. I think as well
1: that was within the sort of um, the the conference itself Mm. even though it wasn't something that was pre-planned in any way because nobody knew what anybody else was going to say there was this seamless flow between Mm -hmm. people's um, suggestions of what we might actually practically do and I think a lot of people did leave that conference feeling this sort of atmosphere of positivity and and, um, actually feeling that in their own lives, you know, you don't have to be someone who is high up in government to make a difference. So there are small things that people can do to resist this sort of um, wave of, of, um, of oppression and censorship. Um, and I think that having that in a book that people can as you are saying basically have as a kind of companion um, that can provide advice on what people can do and even if it's in a, in a very small way or if it's in their particular place of work or their particular sector mm-hmm. whether it's educational wherever they work or even in their private and family lives um, to help them to have those difficult conversations and to actually articulate Um, articulate the principles of how you do resist a lot of this stuff.
3: And also, uh, the most important thing I think is not to feel alone, yeah Mm -hmm. Yeah, actually not.
2: And the number of people we hear from who are saying exactly that they feel reassured that other people are fighting on their behalf and that they can join in as well and I I think think I I was just going to say that I've not thought about the word companion as a way of describing the book Mm -hmm. until now. i think that's a brilliant way to put it it's a, something that people can have with them yeah. they can dip into it and i think what one of the one of the things i want to say is that although it, i talked about it them being in essay form it's not dry academic essays We've mm-hmm. tried to keep the vibrancy of the mm. conference and the oral presentations in there, mm. the, the
4: characters of the contributors really strongly coming through. And so it's very
2: hard. And the chat was well. a
4: fairly short and snappy yes. as well aren't they? Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. one of the things about fighting back and for me the book is really about speaking truth to lies mm-hmm. and, and the, mm-hmm. the, yes. the lies mm-hmm. of the dominant culture which I think we'll touch upon today but yes. it's, it's that, it's that, that push back, that fight back is, is so important for morale. Mm-hmm yes when when and how can people get it? By the
3: way? So,
2: so the book is at the printers as, as we speak when it appears it'll be in a bright red cover the same format as The Long March uh, within two or three weeks we'll have a launch before the end of November okay, um, so if I mention the date of the 22nd of yeah. November um, and they will be the books will be available from the New Culture Forum on the website and so on in, and in also the on Amazon, web, of course, on Amazon you know, which is where probably. most
3: books are sold now yes
2: so, um, um, so we're really looking forward to it. Uh, we have a decent print run. We really want to run out and have to print yes, some more. Yes. Um, and we, and we feel as if, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we feel, and we feel it could have a sort of contagion effect because mm-hmm. it does feel personable and yes, companionable.
1: Mm-hmm. People could take it with them on their daily commute. Yes. Um, so Hold let's it up on the tube. let's yeah. let's get our teeth straight into the census results. Um, so um, the last one was obviously in two thousand and eleven. We've been anticipating these results coming out for a very long time and talking about what they might have in store for us. Um, So I've picked out a few of what I felt were the key statistics for us to discuss. So firstly, um, that in London particularly, four in 10 residents are now non-UK born, um, that as of 2021, there were 10 million foreign born people in in the United Kingdom. and that the population has increased by 2.5 million, but only 42.5% of that is a result of natural population growth, so deaths plus births, which means that 57.5% of that was due to migration. And the um, graphics that they had uh, released um, to the press showed that the four top sort of proportions of, of groups were people from an Indian background, Polish background, Pakistani background and Romanian.
3: Mm-hmm. It, 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 what's interesting I would say first of all Emma is that these results have been a long <coughs> time coming out I mean uh, the census was taken it took, took place in March 21 of course and usually the results were out by the following March mm-hmm. I think at the latest mm-hmm. um, but this one they seem to be hanging around they have been out drips and drabs um, I think there's still some of it still to come out mm-hmm. what I find most interesting not most interesting most depressing actually in some ways, is that in fact this huge increase since the last census of like I think it's like 40% of the foreign-born population has come in that time this is during the entire time that the Conservatives have been saying at every election yeah they will bring migration down. It's
1: like a slippery (laughs) fish, they're just trying to hold on to it but it's just completely getting away from them.
3: And I think that that is extraordinary as you say, um, I think it's one in six people now born abroad um, in England and Wales. Mm. It's just just talking about England and Wales.
1: It's fascinating as well that when everybody criticised John Cleese for his remarks saying that that London is no longer an English city, it would be very hard pressed to argue against that, given that four out of ten residents are non-UK born. It's not, not a, uh, it, you know, it's not a polemical thing to say or a derisive thing to say. It's a factual thing to suggest that actually, just in purely descriptive terms, London is four out of ten non-UK born.
3: Well, actually, what was for, far more marked, so I do not mean to hog it, but mm. what was far more marked was it in 2011. Uh, it was quite historic, in London for the first time it became minority white British for the first time, uh, 45%. Um, They haven't put a percentage out, that's just people who were uh, foreign born Mm -hmm. but in terms of like, I don't know whether they're doing ethnicity, they're they're being rather coy about all of Mm -hmm. this it seems to me. I
1: did notice that it was actually quite difficult going, I mean trying to basically extract what I thought were the most poignant stats. Mm. Um, I couldn't find one place that in the same way that with the 2011 um, census it was hard to find everything yeah. it all wrapped up in a package mm. in I, one place and i think
4: that's purposely purposely so and and it, it's very difficult to trust the stats all you all i can really take from it is that since we've had a conservative government and this is since we've had a conservative government uh, immigration hasn't just grown it's grown exponentially mm-hmm. and and that is the key thing and and that is really shocking especially when all the rhetoric is is pushing back on that Mm -hmm. and saying we're going to control immigration we're going to stop it and all the rest of it and it never
3: happens.
0: Mm -hmm. I also think that it's the the type of migration that we're talking about is very poignant as well because Pakistan, India, Poland, Romania Mm -hmm. these are this is economic migration predominantly that we're discussing and the narrative that, that all migrants are, are asylum seekers, those fleeing war-torn countries, those mm-hmm. that are coming to seek refuge in the UK, that it's, it's completely contradicted by these figures. It seems to suggest that the predominant migra- migratory force is that of, of Eastern European and, and Indian Pakistani migrants seeking a, a better deal in the UK than they had at home for economic purposes rather than that of Ukrainian, mm-hmm. Afghan, iraqi refugees that that we would have seen a a great deal more of in in 2011 at least when it came to Mm. to iraq it's it it completely dispels the left-wing narrative and this is
1: also just a snapshot as well a Mm. snapshot in time from 2021 Mm. and actually if you think about all the statistics that have come out in the last well i was going to say the last couple of months but over the last year with all of that um, illegal migration coming across Mm. the channel just spiralling out of control doubling year on Mm -hmm. year on year actually this snapshot is probably not particularly representative of of the actual situation not least because as we were discussing a few weeks ago on this programme or was it last week? Um, the Albanian, this political time is now running in dog years, <laughs> um, that um, with people coming across the channel now particularly Albanian migrants some of those people will be apprehend, sort of um, prevented from entering by the border force and taken to a particular location but a lot of those people we simply don't know what's happening to mm. them they're going into this black hole of the, mm. of the sort of underground economy and we've got no idea so actually this snapshot is probably an underestimation.
4: Oh I think so very much so and if you think about the the Romanian demographic in particular we do see what's happening to them because many of them are selling the big issue on the street mm. and and mm-hmm. that mm. suggests, we talked on this programme before about, about <coughs> the economic impetus mm-hmm. of, of, uh, of immigration and that just really does show how, how, how low the bar is. You know? mm-hmm. It couldn't be lower, it really couldn't be lower. The thing that strikes me in all this is that that there is just an air of
2: unreality there's a disconnect Mm -hmm. between so many people's experience Mm -hmm. and supposed figures Mm -hmm. and you would you would imagine that the ONS and the government in general would want to be very very clear and open with presenting Mm -hmm. statistics but Mm -hmm. when it starts to put out statements about well we're not going to present it in this way anymore even though we've been doing it for the last several Mm -hmm. census rounds it starts to feel as if there's something to hide mm. mm-hmm. and I think the first thing that you'd want to do if you were being really transparent is to say no absolutely nothing to hide these are the un- unvarnished statistics mm-hmm. you know we compile them very carefully and if they if there's a mismatch against the narrative we just have to deal with it but there's mm-hmm. a, the, the slippery that I think you talked Philip about being about things being slippery that's what it feels like a little mm.
4: bit. It's part of the broader strategy which which we're up against every day and I just call it the war on truth Mm. you know so mm-hmm. we're not allowed to say what is is factual because if if you deal with with facts then you're automatically a white supremacist you're a racist be, because facts mm-hmm. are part of western mm. culture or mm. or supposedly part of western culture yes. and okay. so we have to deal in these in these lies you know so there's a climate emergency you know sex isn't real all of those kinds of things that we have to just completely accept mm. And we have to push away facts. It's it's completely bizarre. It, it's it's dementing. Yeah.
1: Sam, what did you think of the um, the news that came out in the last week about the Albanian um, migrants? Particularly the fact that a lot of these people who are coming in via the illegal channel crossings are people who are basically being trafficked to work in, say, you know, illegal trade of drugs, can- mm-hmm. cannabis, cocaine, that kind of thing. That the argument that actually. There is going back to the, the news that we saw this week um, about Suela Braverman calling it invasion. Mm. That actually there is a concerted effort on the part of Albanian criminal gangs to get people into the country to mm. work in the black market, um, and that 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 sort of humanitarian aspect of trying to prevent these channel crossings isn't isn't getting a fair hearing because mm. everything has become so. Um, sort of febrile that nobody's allowed to discuss Mm. it without being accused of being far-right. Well I think that you're absolutely
0: right that the nuance in in the migration debate has has been completely lost over the past several years I think since Brexit really the the concept of migration and and the idea that that uncontrolled borders could possibly be a bad thing has has become uh, you know a a faux pas in, in civilized society the idea that that yes criminal criminal gangs are are essentially committing cross-national people trafficking, and and they are able to get away with it because society, British society, is is so sanitised now, so so afraid of being branded racist or xenophobic mm-hmm. or or far right that that they don't speak out against the very legitimate concerns mm-hmm. that come with immigration. That legal these people are being that, exploited. Exactly. That yes, uh, there are there are those those legitimate asylum seekers migrants refugees but there is a large population that are disappearing into the black hole Mm. of of the immigration system and that are being uh, trafficked for for purposes that that are are less than legal and are and it is being essentially it's being condoned and and enabled by by society and systems that simply don't know how to get a grip (laughs) of the narrative there's no there's no sense of control over what is good immigration what's bad immigration (laughs) there's no ability to to separate romanian people smugglers for example from ukrainian refugees fleeing war (laughs) it's the idea that immigration equals good (laughs) and or immigration equals bad and we see it across all sectors of society as philip said the the war on truth has has spread from immigration to education (laughs) to to the the war on statues everything seems to be black and white there's no yeah. ability for for a, a critical lens
1: and mm-hmm.
0: especially with migration that risks people and this, black, this people's goes lives. back
1: to what we were saying last week which is this idea that, that essentially borders are indefensible mm. that borders are in themselves some kind of immoral thing that, mm. that the na- in a way the nation state shouldn't exist
3: but what's interesting about that really is is that um you know if go, going back you know a few decades um, to talk about borderless states, which is kind of an oxymoron isn't it, but um, was considered very radical. Mm. Whereas now we're actually, you know, these arguments shift don't they? And they're kind of made to shift actually. Mm. So I, I'd agree that there is this kind of strange now uh, when you're arguing or which we've all done, uh, you know, in broadcast situations or whatever, um, immediately, if you're talking about migration, the goalposts will be changed, and you find you're talking about asylum, mm. Mm. and 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 back and forth mm-hmm. it goes. Mm. The most important one, I think, and this is something that's got to be done. It's got to be a, a concerted effort, is to denormalize mass migration. Mm. Mm. That's the it, nobody. I think is actually against the form of migration. Mm. Mm. I mean, right. you know, no one. It was what fifty thousand a year until ni- mid 1990s. Mm. It's this idea that somehow you are. If you're for it, then you're for. Three hundred thousand. Net. Mm. 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 I you wonder know.
1: if, in some ways, it's because it's almost beyond the imagination that be- because we've been so sort of swamped by mass migration mm. since Tony Blair, mm. that mm. actually it's it's beyond the imagination that we might ever actually reduce numbers to the numbers that Sila so well, no, says she would like. You,
3: you, well, yeah. Yes, but that's, that's I would say that I say been intentional. I don't. i not saying it's any conspiracy theory, but but actually, you know there used to be an argument we mustn't this is not the new normal this mm. is like a, a sometime thing in mm. the early noughties this was mm-hmm. mm-hmm. and here we are and it's entirely normal mm-hmm. and it's almost never questioned and, and
0: I, I, th- sorry, I, I was just going to say I think that the the problem that is being raised by by people like Suella Bravma isn't the level of migration it's the type of migration mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. no one is arguing against skilled migration for example no one is arguing against asylum seekers and refugees watch what the Conservative Party and many other uh, many other individuals who are branded far right are arguing against is uncontrolled, borderless Im- mass illegal immigration that puts mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. lives in at risk, that that allows uh, a free for all of our society, and is frankly
1: an invasion. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. well, there's no other way to categorise. You, you anticipated my next question: whether isn't. or not you think that her comments were right and that actually. That you it's know, fair to describe Why we something.
3: shouldn't play their game, I don't think, no. Emma. Mm-hmm. I think their their game is actually to absolutely take the subject and move it mm-hmm. on to language. Mm-hmm. And so I don't know because I don't really watch many much mainstream media anymore. Mm-hmm. But I'm sure there have been whole articles and whole mm-hmm. programmes. Was mm-hmm. that a terrible word to you? Mm-hmm. You know, actually I don't know. Maybe, well, there it is the, maybe there it's a there bad is, word. It's, it's
4: factually it's factually correct. And if we come back to the stats, it's actually really helpful because we've got 2% or over 2% of Albanian males over 40 crossing the Channel mm. that constitutes an invasion by any definition of the word 2% of the population that's an army invading and going as you say into, in, into uh, grey economies, black economies mm-hmm. and, and, and there is just and no there is way also of, a, of charting mm, money again. There's a
1: distinction as well to be made, we always talk about the distinction that you made between the asylum seekers, genuine people who are who are fleeing war mm. and those who are economic migrants who are essentially masquerading as mm. being asylum seekers because people will assume that if they're willing to make an illegal crossing then they must be mm. genuine asylum seekers then there's another distinction that we now have to make which is this this separate category of intentional illegal migration that is being directed and and organized by international criminal gangs mm. ferrying people from one country through Europe to France in order to illegally enter mm. our country mm. and that kind of concerted effort is in a whole camp of its own mm. Mm.
3: Mm. In a way, can I just (laughs) just say one thing before we we forget it? You see, I know this sounds like a basic thing, you see when you said that into our country Mm -hmm. you know, you're entirely right to say that but that kind of sentiment Mm -hmm. is unknown Mm -hmm. to the kind of people who basically champion this kind of migration Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm not making a big deal, it's just very interesting to me Mm -hmm. you talk quite and quite rightly like I would, you say into our country in other words it's a we, we have a country Mm -hmm. they a lot of the motivation behind people who absolutely support mass migration is not because they love migrants or want to help migrants it's they want anything that chips away Mm -hmm. at us
1: Mm -hmm. well it's a home isn't it and I noticed this so I tweeted something that that got a surprising number of sort of pedants (laughs) on Twitter going mad about it um, what was interesting to me was uh, the number of people who were saying things about well, it's not it's not a legal en- it's not a legal entry. The entering mm. part is not illegal, but we, whether we want to be pedantic about la- the way we use language and the, mm. the way that the law currently stands, if somebody were entering your home you would call that a legal entry. Mm-hmm. And a country has borders for a reason, because it's a home. Mm-hmm. And you wouldn't just, if somebody turned up in your house and you had no idea who they were, you wouldn't say that that wasn't a legal entry. It's a form of trespassing to come to a, to come and intentionally bypass the system. And in the case of these Albanian criminal gangs, to do so with the sole intent of crea- of, of um. Participating in criminal activity in that country. Mm. And I think it's so interesting that that
0: those on on the supporting side for mass migration mm. are so keen to find any way to subvert the the, de- the definition of legal migration versus illegal. Mm. They're they're focusing so so hard on the point of entry rather than the the motivation behind it. That the the core of this debate is entirely lost in the fact that the people that are entering this country, the people that we're discussing, so the Albanian, Romanian, Indian, Pakistani, Polish economic migrants, and those that are are victims of people smugglers, they are entering for, uh, under illegal purposes, they are entering to partake in criminal activity or to, to seek economic gain from, from our home, from our shores, from our mm. country it isn't about whether the way they enter is legal or not it's about what they do once they get here mm. and that's mm. what's being lost it's in the also space. It's
4: also about the, the, the notion of, of the word we as well oh, and yes. who we are and, and our country defines who we are, that's one of the major things in terms of how we define who we are. It's the Roger Scruton thing isn't it, you know, Mm -hmm. our our, our nationhood is part of who we are. Mm -hmm. The people who want to dismantle that, deconstruct that, don't see the country as part of we, they see themselves uh, in identitarian terms. Mm -hmm. So it all comes back down to that that fight, that definition of who we are in terms of identity and, and, the, and the country is being pulled always. All yes
2: and I think that's precisely the point I'm, I, I, that's in my mind um, to make as well this this we and I'm going to come back to that in a second. I think one of the things we're finding though is that as Philip Johnson wrote in the uh, Telegraph today um, we are signed up to international treaty obligations that as long as someone sets foot on the beach or whatever we have obligations mm-hmm. Um, to towards them mm. which uh, we would be breaking international law not to not to follow through on and I think this idea about you know as it's not illegal because they've arrived and they, we now have obligations is use, being used a little bit as a, as a device but to draw it back to the to the we I, I live in a part of London which has every conceivable ethnicity a part of London that has the greatest variety of ethnicities and in in, in the area where I happen to be there is a shared we there is a shared we whether whether people have been pre- present for generations or relatively recently there is a really a shared we and that shared we includes a desire to be reasonable a mm-hmm. desire to be welcoming mm-hmm. a desire for broadening of experience mm-hmm. and so on and that, i think that reasonableness is being yeah. taken away
1: mm-hmm. by this
2: I think um, that's key, the idea
1: of being reasonable being we, reasonable and being respectful if we, if we to, so if
2: we're, told, if we're told that um, mm-hmm. whether it's 40,000 or 80,000 or a million
1: mm-hmm.
2: no, but that's but, but the point isn't as it as, most, as long as they're right
1: I mean, we, we have people, obligations to them but that's the them, point, most, most people are reasonable mm. but the people who are making these disingenuous arguments are not reasonable but so wait,
4: the, can I just pick up on that word reasonable again because it's really important young people are being told that to be reasonable is to be passive right Mm -hmm. and young people are being told, you all know this, young people are being told to be activists and and that activist impulse is eating away at Mm -hmm. our our notions, our historical notions of community and that's really frightening to me. Mm -hmm. It really is.
0: Mm
1: I, we're um, we're going to have to move on to the next. We could talk about this for the entire show, but hmm. um, don't I w- worry, we will. <laughs> 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 I, um, I want us to to um, to have a, an opportunity to talk about this COVID amnesty story <laughs> um, because it's a fas- fascinating article to read um, in the a- in the Atlantic, Atlantic. Um, basically calling for what, in my interpretation, whether this is uncharitable or not. Is that this article seemed to be calling for forgiveness of all of those who were on the right side of the lockdown no COVID chance. debates, <laughs> but 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 that those who were who were responsible for misinformation apparently those people you know, who happened to be right in the end happened to be right by luck, but we ought to forget forgive them because they. Um, th- they they were they had the best intentions basically which is a fascinating article. so i just want to read you this quote from the article and um, see what you think of it so um this lady wrote uh, we have to put these fights aside and declare a pandemic amnesty we ha- we can leave out uh, the willful purveyors of actual misinformation while forgiving the hard calls that people had no choice but to make with imperfect knowledge so forgive us but don't forget them you forgive, can almost <laughs> forgive us, but don't forgive them. Do you know what? You
4: can almost <laughs> smell the fear. There, can't <laughs> you? you know what I mean? There's, there's going to be. Oh my God! We need to, we need to start changing the narrative now. We need. Uh, you know it to be conciliatory we need we need to you know oh we need to be kind it's we just need so interesting that this this attitude
1: of being conciliatory and being forgiving but um, but even in the conclusion itself excludes an entire category of people exactly. that were responsible mm. for misinformation and this this lady was in favor of lockdown she was in favor of vaccine mandates yeah. i think so um we, we know who she's referring to when she talks about the people who are the actual purveyors of misinformation and these misinformation all... that happened to be t- t- turn out to be true, but that was only by luck, that wasn't because they'd been investigating the facts more than anyone else. And this
4: is, always these kinds of people, especially in this country, they they, they say two things simultaneously. Okay, first of all, they want to be kind and inclusive and all the rest of it. And by the same token, they hate Tories and they want to feed all Tories into a mincer, you know, all (laughs) at once, all of those things all together. When
1: when they refer, when this, one of the examples this lady gave in her article about misinformation, was in the US um, we didn't have it here but this this idea that Americans because of this misinformation were about to inject bleach into their veins to cure themselves of COVID Um, but we know from experience that everything that was lumped into that same bracket included people who were concerned about mandatory vaccination and the ethics mm. of it, people who were concerned about medical autonomy, people who questioned the World Health Organization, even the World Health, even though the World Health Organization did multiple U-turns mm. at various points. And one of the things that she mentions as well, is the, the, the varying efficacy of different vaccines. So the Johnson and Johnson vaccine versus the Moderna or Pfizer vaccine. Um, and that's one of the examples that she gives of a a genuine mistake that was with the best intentions but those people who from the very beginning were you know offering just a simply sceptical position about certain public health policies um, were lumped into the misinformation bracket so so she could be referring to those people as much as the people who wanted to inject bleach into their veins I mean she's
3: just some journalist isn't she right this woman
1: I think she's an economist whatever
3: I mean the thing is is that basically uh, these people right um, managed to bring about an atmosphere of such toxicity Mm. um, that they shouldn't be let off the hook. I think that's the main thing Um, because it wasn't it reminded me actually rather of um, Brexit Mm. you know being a Brexiteer in London uh, essentially you know there was nothing that couldn't be said actually I mean do you remember Mm. the the sheer kind of narcissist that was Basically, let flow. Um, you know, older people don't worry. Older people voted for Brexit. They're dying off anyway. Mm. The, this kind of thing happened again with the with the lockdowns, pandemic. You saw these commentators getting on, and just in particularly in America, actually full of hatred mm-hmm. and anger oh, you for people who were even suggesting wait a minute this might not be the right mm-hmm, way mm-hmm. what do you want to you want to kill your grandmother you know mm-hmm. all of this and was you, you
1: got that actually from the way that she actually set the scene at the beginning mm-hmm. of her article because she begins the very first paragraph she talks about going on long walks with her family during the early days of the pandemic mm-hmm. and making masks out of bandanas that turned out not to be useful anyway but <laughs> they didn't know any better at the time and that they they went on these walking trips and that the family had hand gestures that they would use for each other to say if someone was walking on the path ahead and that I think she said her child Um, when encountering another child that came too close would scream social Mm. distancing Mm. and it's it's the it's the same I got the feeling from it that was the same as you know people who would snitch on their neighbours and would result in the neighbour losing their job Mm. or something Mm. like that but it's you know someone having an illegal haircut but 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 it's the same thing
4: you can apply these things to everything we've been talking about so you can apply this kind of thing it's 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 what Frank Faraday calls the culture of fear isn't it Mm -hmm. yeah and and the, the flip side of that is the hatred that I was talking about before. Mm. So you can apply this to the climate emergency, yeah. You can apply this to the gender ideology stuff, you know, because if if, if we don't accept all of this stuff that a man can be a woman mm-hmm. and a woman can be a man, then there's going to you know you're contributing to the to, to, to trans people mm-hmm. dying tomorrow, now, here and now. You know, And you can just apply it to any of the big narratives and it's all the same thing. They're all structured in exactly the same way.
1: And they're always talking about accountability, mm-hmm. except their accountability for spreading what essentially became, uh, well, I mean- A campaign we, of misinformation. Yeah. I think
0: that what they really want here is to avoid responsibility for the devastating fallout
1: of their actions over a mm-hmm. course of two years. And they've Education. admitted that their information was not entirely correct. Exactly. That's why I say you <laughs> can
4: smell the fear. That's why I say you can smell the fear in that. Yeah. <laughs> mm.
0: School Actually, outcomes have been have been shuttered for a decade. The the excess death toll is in the is in the tens of thousands. The the impact on on mental health on on the economy on every aspect of 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 society children on global stage. Exactly. Mm-hmm. The the Fallout from the pandemic is going to be felt for decades, and what and what the the be Kind Brigade are really asking for is to not be held responsible for for, yeah. for the fallout because they didn't know at the time that this was mm-hmm. going to happen. Although, uh, let's there's, be honest, they had all of the the bad data information available. with the best
1: intentions. Exactly. So, <laughs> is, so
2: is this is this a case of breathtaking lack of self awareness, <laughs> or is it willful? Is it, is it naive
3: or is it willful? I think it's willful. Actually, mm-hmm. I would once have said naive. Mm-hmm. but I think it's kind of willful when you say willful I mean I'm assuming you mean what they said originally and what they're saying now well so the way so the way they're the way they're, the way they're mm-hmm. going about it now which is to try to draw a very thick line very quickly underneath mm-hmm. it mm-hmm. Um, well also you see when you this happens to be an article which is important for, for as a focus of what we're talking about but essentially what is more interesting is what is being omitted so for example uh, when you look at our economic situation the effect of the pandemic is largely absent mm. mm-hmm. isn't it mm-hmm. yeah. I mean it's all about other things uh, Ukraine and whatever and energy to whatever but actually you don't really hear much about the, the fact, fact that lost we stopped the economy or... mm. yes exactly you months. don't hear much about that um, and then also might have
1: something to do with it <laughs> no, but also the
3: crucial thing you mentioned about uh you know um deaths you know d- which were not COVID deaths, but brought about by mm-hmm. a long time mm-hmm. uh, that went past, didn't it? Did it? Recently, it actually went. It's h- higher now yes. than the deaths from COVID. Coming, mm-hmm. you know, it's sort of. But also remember how it, you were called an absolute racist mm-hmm. if you talked about this thing coming out of a Chinese lab. Yeah. Mm. Well, apparently that's now the most that's considered to be the most feasible. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But no, when was the journalist who had even brought that up? Mm-hmm. You know, no journalist.
1: Did. Well, that's what you talk radio had its. Um, Uh, it's it's a page taken down on YouTube Mm. for contradicting the World Health Organization but they turned out to be right and the World Health Organization Mm. turned out to be wrong but the online standards for misinformation were defined by what the public health authorities were saying even though they later changed their mind about various things when more information became available but this goes back to what you were saying about climate change Mm. because it's this idea, this idea of the science when actually a truly enlightenment understanding of science is that science is a discussion that mm. that is ongoing and conclusions mm. change when new facts come out. You're not a climate change denier if you have a skeptical position mm. on a certain mm. fact, but because this, this anti-enlightenment is, position has been mm. taken on so many things, we now have our, basically being governed by the science mm. Um, that they have this understanding of misinformation that completely precludes the possibility that you might change your conclusions when more evidence is Mm. available and if if, if if as she said we were in the dark. We didn't have all the facts. That's exactly why you take a position of scepticism. Of course, it is. That's exactly yeah. the purpose. And that's
4: that, that's the, the, the you know the other fifty it's percent. It's safeguarding the, the, as well. the, other, the other major element of the
1: science. You're safeguarding yes. society against bad decisions by allowing sceptics to voice their opinion. That's the whole damn point. And I think and speaking of
2: sceptics, I was going to say, just calling out one or two. real real heroes of mine like like Matt Ridley for instance who Mm. doggedly right from the start says this doesn't smell good it's there's a closing in Mm. uh, of ranks Mm. when Mm -hmm. it comes Mm. to the science and the scientists at the very least yes at the very least uh, he said we should be keeping an open mind mm. you know and he was vilified like the rest fortunately he's untouchable mm-hmm. relatively speaking these days and was able to push through and and was one of the few people who, who and, and Peter Hitchens it. in the early days well Peter mm-hmm. as well
4: mm-hmm. you know, I
0: interesting think this. what I find mm-hmm. absolutely breathtaking is is that the very same people with that were treating skeptics with such out outstanding condescension they you know Lockdown skeptics, those that that question the data, that question the science behind lock, lockdown and COVID policy, were treated like village idiots. Frankly, mm-hmm. they were they were treated as as less than. You know, it was oh, oh, poor you, dear. You don't quite understand how the real world works. Mm-hmm. Those very same people that looked down their noses on 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 ordinary people for two years that treated them with uh, with disdain and contempt and and sought to control every aspect of their lives without without any sort of recourse or, or accountability and now turning to those very same people and asking for forgiveness
1: yeah. how can you let
0: bygones no, be no not bygones? asking for
1: forgiveness though, demanding <laughs> it! Demanding. Yeah, yeah. mandatory forgiveness! <laughs> these people
4: don't ask so
1: the and time... these people
2: won't forgive so Either. the, time, the mm. time to ask for forgiveness is when the um, when the accounting has been yeah, done mm. so I can imagine one day a was a Reconciliation the Commission Once everything's out in the open and this must never happen again and these processes are the ones that were trashed and these are the failures to uh, even think about the most elementary Mm -hmm. Mm trade-offs, let alone the generational ones that we're talking about now, once that's all done... Mm-hmm. then there is mm-hmm. space I think for a sense of but okay we need to rub along together but the problem but is Stephen, not now. that
4: won't happen well so I'm skeptical that it will happen but that's what should happen so while
1: we're on the subject of accountability and before we wrap everything up brief thoughts on Matt Hancock <laughs> um, going on, I'm a celebrity. Get me out of here, and saying that he can still keep up his uh, his constituency work because he'll have an emergency line to them if anything goes wrong. <laughs> so, he's sort of been eating bugs and and whatnot. He can right. he can have an emergency constituency sur- surgery. So, oh. what what did you think about not just Matt Hancock's decision to do this, but this whole idea that you know? Um, that politicians are celebrities that well, this no, idea I mean, that he, he, he was
3: saying oh i wanted you know we should show the human side for no one wants to see a human
2: side
0: they not we, see a human we've seen side. more of, of matt hancock's humanity than we'd ever <laughs> like to see in our lives <laughs> frankly i couldn't care less about what goes on in the man's private life i couldn't care less about what he does outside of parliament beyond his constituency work and his job as an mp what he does does not matter, and, and and this idea that MPs are celebrities seems to suggest that that the public should should care about about his you know his own personal struggles and his journeys. No, what he's trying to do at the moment is claw back some mm-hmm. sort of reputa- no. reputability no. and God. notoriety when he is clearly on his way to to being deselected as his own as his own and constituency. And he, he tried was, he his tried his as own. well
1: to justify this by saying that. Um, that it, It's just, it's so awful because it's so patronising in its own specific way by basically arguing that this was a great way to reach the British public because the British public of course all watches I'm a celebrity I <laughs> don't want him and anywhere the, near them and he was basically trying to make the argument that it isn't degrading or beneath them for politicians <laughs> to take part in this kind of show um, and tried to wrap it up as some kind of noble attempt to reach the British public. Represent your constituents. This is surely this is part of that yeah. same trend we keep but seeing where I mean, people don't do the job they're supposed to do. They want to do everything else except that.
4: I, I, I mean, it's so ridiculous. It's, it's too stupid for words. But I felt really angry, and, and the front pages of, of all the, paper, the papers are, are, are full of it today. And, and his smiling face makes me really angry because don't forget, <laughs> it was you know what he did during Covid Mm. he was you know he was the real perpetrator Mm. of all of this kind of stuff and now he's doing this ridiculous stupid stuff Mm. in the middle of a cost of living crisis. At
0: the the end of the day this is just yet another ego trip for a man who has who has fallen out of public favour this Mm -hmm. is the man that had a Matt Hancock app he will do anything to cling to the public spotlight and by (laughs) by suggesting that that this is somehow worthy of a front page Mm -hmm. spread only furthers his ego and his narcissism. We shouldn't even be giving it the time of day. Honestly, mm. with everything else going on in this country, the last thing we need is to be watching Matt Hancock eat kangaroo testicles on national TV.
2: So I've been trying there? very hard to, to, to come up with a with an opinion about this. I'm I am in the sort of do not care camp. But I've got, in, 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 we've been talking about inverted meanings, haven't we? So here is my opinion westminster's loss is australia's game so <laughs> <laughs> yeah I mean, you you decide which right side right. of the balance yeah. so, just, do, that,
1: do you
3: remember uh, when he was actually the worst thing for me what really the lowest point was when he pretended to cry on breakfast tv news do you remember that you're quite emotional
4: about that well it's just uh, it's been you know it's been such a tough year for so many people and
3: uh he was on breakfast and it was something the mm. early days of the lockdown and it was so obviously phony as hell mm. phony as hell you know and you sort of thought you, I've got, you know, you've got the measure of this man Mm. but I mean you're right, we probably, well, it's a bit late now, we should we probably shouldn't be giving me extra publicity. <laughs> <Yeah. probably. laughs>
1: We're right, right into Mac Hancock's hands. Um, so on that note, uh, thank you, Sam. Thank you, Philip. Thank you, Stephen. Thank you, Peter. You, and thank you for watching. Please like, comment, subscribe. Tell us what you think of today's topics. Tell us what you might like us to discuss next week. And we will see you next time on Newspeak.
3: Hello. If you're enjoying the New Culture Forum channel and you believe in our mission, May I invite you to join our membership scheme at the link below or on our website newcultureforum.org.uk Our work is more important now than ever and we have great plans ahead for the future but we can't do it without your support. From as little as £3 per month you can help ensure that we continue on our mission. As a member you'll receive a range of benefits including access to exclusive content, invitations to our private events, including here at our studios, free copies of our books, and much, much more, including, of course, our famous NCF mug. If you aren't able to become a member, then please help us by clicking this button and subscribing to our channel. It's completely free. Just remember to also click the bell icon so that you can get notifications when we post new videos. Thank
1: you.